Hello, thank you for joining us uh, on the uh, New Review of Film and Television Studies uh, YouTube channel, uh, presumably. Uh, my name is Ryan Angley. I am a uh, assistant professor of media studies at Pomona College, and I have recently written an article uh, that will be uh, published uh, probably in the link to this episode on the topic of bottle episodes, uh, the television series community, and the German philosopher Hegel. Uh, and threading all of these things together uh, with me will be uh, my friend and uh, podcast co-host uh, every two weeks for the last almost six years, Todd McGowan. Todd, uh, why don't you say hi and explain yourself to the listener? Thanks, Ryan. My name is, as Ryan said, my name is Todd McGowan. I teach at, in the I teach film actually at the University of Vermont in the Film and Television Studies program, and I've taught here for a long time, and I've written a few books on film. I haven't actually written anything on television, although I talked on television, I've taught on television. I do not have an article in this journal, unlike Ryan, but I'm going to try to <laughs> facilitate his uh, a discussion of his article alongside of him. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're super excited to do this. This is one of my favorite things to talk about um, because uh, television... Uh, tell I love television. I love television probably in a way that uh, is is uh, is is vulnerable and embarrassing. I think is how I would uh, describe the way that I love TV. There, uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, uh, Todd, or if it's come up on our podcast. But when um, when Lost was on, my whole my family we loved this series so much. And um, at the it was toward the end of the second season. I was graduating high school, and. Um, my girlfriend at the time asked me to uh, have dinner just because she was graduating too with her family. And we didn't really like, we didn't really do stuff like that. Like that was like, that's like a very like official and yep. formal thing to do. Yep. Right. And I said like, Oh wow, I would, I would love to love to go out to dinner with you and your family. Uh, when? And she said, uh, she said like Thursday at eight. And I just immediately was like, I can't do that. Lost is on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that relationship didn't last much longer. It didn't last. Uh, that was the, that was a sign that it should not have <laughs> lasted, right? <laughs> exactly. I uh, yeah, it was. I, I don't like telling that story in any way that that is uh, favorable to me because that is a, a uh, uh, that's, a, that's a, a terrible thing to do. Um, no, obviously. I don't think so. I think, uh, what was well, she doing but, asking you to go to dinner on the night Lost was concluded? <laughs> that's just you know. Yeah, I once, what it. I, I have a similar television story. So my, okay. my, uh, so this is, okay, this is the original Battlestar Galactica. So not a great oh, yeah. television yeah. show, but we sure. were, we were visiting out of town. So it, like we, we lived in Ohio, we were visiting these friends in Virginia mm-hmm. and they had this whole nice dinner for us. And mm-hmm. my dad goes, um, can we take our plates into the living room and watch Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> And so me and my brother and my dad took our plates, went into their living room. I mean, I was younger, so I had an excuse, but he didn't have an excuse. Uh, And and my mom was like, she was furious. But I thought that's a proper dedication to a... Yes. Plus he he knew, I think, that that show was going to be canceled after a year. So Uh, he had to get in the the watching of it. But your lost story is better, but... Is, well, maybe. I mean, like the the thing that the thing that's really funny, like so your dad and I mean, this is like one of the uh, one of the aspects of TV that that is um, in one of the shows that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Star Trek today um, that the pervading sense that it can be taken away like at any time. Yeah. And so there was so it gives it gives the series itself a, a, a life to it that, you know, 
I don't want to say that we've lost because I don't want to say there should be a nostalgia for that. Like writers should have like uh, greater assurances, uh, especially in a time of a writer strike um, and guarantees like of like what, what a show is going to do and the rug shouldn't be pulled out for them. But like your dad was properly reading the, like the existential stakes of a show like that, that it could just in and would have been taken away. Uh, For me, we totally had DVR. I could have watched that show. Oh, you could have watched it, but you needed to see it. It's like a, it's like a sporting event, right? Like you're not going to, yeah, you don't want to watch the Super Bowl on tape. I mean, that's... You're yeah. being very kind to me. So I appreciate all the support, but yes, yeah. it was a jerk thing for me. But I just... We, we, we throw this out here to talk about the sort of like the emotional investment yes. uh, I think that we both have in uh, television. And I think that is something that's at the core of the bottle episode. So if this is the first time that you've ever heard this phrase before, a bottle episode, uh, what does it mean? And uh, it refers to a television series episode that is uh, closely uh, contained, usually uh, constraints at the level of time and space, uh, and it is confined as though bottled. Okay, why, why that? How do, we, how do we get there? So there's like a little bit of a history here, and it's not a linear one, just like a lot of things uh, in, uh, in television and media. Um, so uh, Leslie Stevens, who is the producer of uh, The Outer Limits, uh, which was an anthology uh, science fiction series. So it's kind of interesting that this phrase, as we're going to see, came from uh, a series where there was no uh, narrative material, really, that carried from one episode to the next. Right. Uh, but he uh, called an, an episode called a, a Controlled Experiment, which was a cheaply made and very quickly produced. He called it a bottle show. Like he was like a like a genie pulling pulling it out of a pulling it out of a bottle. Right. Like a. Uh, yeah, so that, right. that's that's what he said. The exact quote is, he pulled an episode right out of a bottle like a genie. That's what he said. Because they had very little money and v- they had very little time to do it. And what's sort of interesting is the economic constraints and demands of the episode itself often ends up a- in the narrative. So because the episode has to be quickly made right. uh, it, and there is not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of time to do it, that's what ends up being in the show itself. And so do you think, uh, TV, can I ask you a question yeah, about this? Do you yeah, think that, cause there, if you, if you try to look up the, how the history of the bottle episode, how we even got the term, oftentimes yeah. they'll say, Oh, it comes from star Trek. And it's the, it's the mm. idea of a ship in a bottle, right? Like you yes. put like this, yes. this build a model of a ship inside a bottle. And I mm-hmm. wonder if I understand that that's not the origin of the term, but I wonder if the sustained, viability and popularity of the term isn't due also to that second use of the second incarnation of the bottle episode. Yeah. I think, I think that it is. Uh, You do. do. I think I do. Yeah. Because it had to be, I mean, so yeah. So Todd, um, so Todd, uh, uh, jumps, jumps ahead a few years to, uh, to Star Trek. I mean, why did it happen to these sci-fi shows? Yeah. Because for, for, for a couple of different reasons is that like they were considered to, you know, at the time to have like more marginal, uh, audience appeal, so they didn't have uh, as big budgets as as other things, but also because they were science fiction, you had you're literally making things up. Like the, but they they're also more up. costly. I mean that, that Exa- that's what actually Exa- killed Star Trek. Probably was how much it cost to make an episode. Exactly. Right? Don't you think that the because yeah. special effects were? I mean, now they're cheap, but they used to be very expensive. They did, yeah. And now, and you know what? It's I think it's 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 a, a, a borderline insulting that like when you watch uh, Star Trek now on like Paramount Plus, like all the uh, effects have been redone, and it's uh, so I don't know how I, I'm pretty sure on the DVD version of it or even the Blu-ray you can see the original special effects, but like it's 
you can tell these things have been uh, done ad hoc uh, more recently. And like, and, and so what we're, Anyway, what we're and also I'm sure very cheaply, you know, like yeah, yeah, very cheaply, as cheaply as possible, right? As cheaply as possible. So the the issue with the bottle episode, it was a a a form of TV that arose because of uh, economic demands, and like you had more money. I mean, this is still the case, but it was much more the case for uh, television in the U.S. in the 50s and 60s, like up up through the up through really more recently now, where you have a TV show recently like. Game of Thrones, where they're doing like ten, fourteen million dollars an episode, like like, uh, and they're not really financially constrained, is what you're saying. Not financially constrained, and the constraint. I don't know. I I think oftentimes now it doesn't pre-exist the episode. It's like, what does it take for the episode to do? So, TV shows, of course, had uh, they always have a budget, and you have more money available for a premiere, and for uh, a finale, and for sweeps weeks episodes. Uh, than you would for any episode in between. So this is the other financial part, is that funding would become bottlenecked. And that, yeah, and that, so this whole thing, right, you have the genie pulling it, pulling it out, like a genie in a bottle, uh, like this, 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 this kind of magical thing that, that, uh, uh, this almost arose impossibly. You have this financial thing, uh, of funding becoming bottlenecked. And then you have, of course, the Star Trek thing, which there is a, it, it's the original series, the ship in a, these ship in a bottle episodes, right. but this is referenced by Star Trek The Next Generation, which literally has an episode called Ship in a Bottle, which is a bottle episode. So it's referencing that earlier thing. So this is how we got here. You have absolutely, as a, uh, as a listener uh, of this, you have absolutely seen a bottle episode, whether you heard the name before or not. Uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, Lucy and I love Lucy. She got stuck in a meat locker two times. So if right. you've seen either of those, uh, then that's, you know, that's, that's your typical thing. Uh, characters being locked into some, uh, setting for one reason or another. And it's because why you don't have money f- to build new sets. You can't really get guest actors. You can't have new costumes, all these things. The, the, uh, the goal as a, um, as TV tropes put it, is to take up as little money as possible. That's a, that's sort of the idea. But this, my claim, uh, doesn't really get into what is aesthetically uh, important, or even uh, philosophically and existentially like at stake in these episodes. Um, more recently, TV shows have been choosing to do um, bottle episodes. We're going to talk about uh, like not for funding reasons, but to play with the form. And uh, this, like, community as a television series that like to play with the form of the bottle episode, but even animated series like uh, BoJack Horseman, a really famous episode uh, where he is in an underwater world. The name of the episode is Fish Out of Water. And he uh, has all of his vices taken away from him. He usually uh, subtracts from the social or himself by uh, smoking, doing drugs, or being uh, loud and provocative and distancing people. And when he's in this underwater world, he's got a helmet on to breathe uh, because he's a horse, and sometimes that matters in the world of the show. (laughs) Uh, And he so all of his he can't smoke, he can't drink, all of his vices are taken away from him, and he just kind of has to sit with himself and he gets on this he gets he takes a bus ride he goes on this journey and there's a uh uh 
I'm, I'm forgetting the, oh my God, I'm forgetting the aquatic creature. This is like really funny that I'm forgetting it. Oh, it's a seahorse that he's trying to get to its uh, seahorse father. And he goes on like a, like a journey. There's kind of a, he gets stuck in like a taffy factory. There's a little bit of Charlie Chaplin stuff going on uh, with, with, with this in the episode, but it's, um, it's a, a re- like, that's an animated episode. They chose to do this. Uh, there's a Family Guy episode, Brian and Stewie. They're stuck in a bank vault. Again, animated episode. They choose to right. do this. Right. So this is well outside of the like original reason why this form arose, but they kind of clarify what's at stake. And so for me, after this introduction, it's less about a rigorous taxonomy of what a bottle episode is. I don't really... I don't think that's very important. I think what's much more important is to look at what a bottle episode does. What does it put in motion? What, what, what does it snap into relation? What are the stakes? And that is this thing we can see because you might be tempted uh, to, to, to say, well, there was a classical bottle episode that was more due to economic constraints of the way TV was done uh, in inverted commas back then. And then look at something now like a more modern bottle episode, which is done is by a, choice. By, by choice. But I think aesthetically, you're looking at the same thing, which is, right. you know, we're going to talk about with, um, with Star Trek. So uh, what does a bottle episode do and why, why do we get there uh, with Hegel? So, Todd, you're a little bit of an expert on, on Hegel. And uh, the most interesting thing about, I would say, uh, about the shift in how we view Hegel, uh, what would you say, in the last like 20 years, is a 20, movement away 30 from... years, maybe, yeah. 20 th- a movement away from thinking of him as a, uh, as a dialectician of synthesis and right. more someone who uh, ha- his whole method is about a dialectic of contradiction. So this may seem like a real hard turn <laughs> for this conversation because that was about the bottle episode, but um, obviously I explained this in, in the article, but I, I want to lean on your, your expertise. What's the difference between synthesis and contradiction and, and, and why do we need to think of Hegel as a thinker of contradiction and not right. one of synthesis? Right. So the textbook idea of Hegel is, as you said, you go from thesis to, then there's an opposing antithesis and then you bring the two together in some way and you get a, a result of a synthesis. And that I think is the, the, the commonsensical way of understanding Hegel. And it's also the way of understanding Hegel that predominated for, I don't know, 150 years, a little bit more after his death. Right. So, mm-hmm. but, but as you said, I think to, I think now, I don't know if it's the consensus, but there's certainly a broad number of people that think this. That is that actually Hegel's, the movement of his system is from what seem like identities or syntheses to mm-hmm. contradictions. So, so the, the direction of Hegel's thought is toward contradiction and toward uncovering the contradictions that, as that's in place or at work, not toward... Uh, getting rid of them and uh, achieving some kind of whole harmonious or whole structure. So I think that that's, it's, it's a pretty radical difference, right? Like between mm. the, the two different versions of, of Hegel. And I think the one is a much more conservative thinker, even if mm. you think the synthesis is headed, is going to be a egalitarian one or whatever, he's still a more conservative thinker. And now I think the idea is that if he, if, if he's, if the idea is, oh, we, that, that the end point of Hegel's philosophy, what he called absolute knowing or, or absolute idea in different places, that's, for him, that is not the point at which we overcome contradiction, but the point at which we realize we cannot overcome contradiction. So that, I think mm. that that's a, 
that's that in a nutshell, I think, captures the distinction between the two ways of thinking about Hegel and also captures his radicality as a thinker because I think that that most to take it into the political field, most oppressive systems are are built around this idea that some way we're going to promise overcoming contradiction to you, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the promise that they make, and and I think that that's what Hegel disallows as a thinker. So I think that this this highlighting of contradiction and and showing that even narrative for Hegel moves the contradiction drives narrative, and I think this goes against how we usually think of narrative, right? We usually think mm. narrative is driven toward a conclusion that that eliminates the contradictions or antagonisms that are apparent in it. But Hegel's point is no, actually, it's when we're seeing a, a narrative dramatically work itself out, what we're what's being revealed is the the irreconcilability of the of the the, the things that seem opposed to each other, right? So that there's no yeah. there's no final moment of harmony or or, or completion. Mm. Yeah, it's and this is it is a, that was very nice and, and very concise. Like that, it is exactly at this point that we see this is what I'm claiming. This is what is theoretically at stake in the bottle episode. A lot of TV, like if if you, if you're going to find a narrative form that's guilty of synthesis, where you have some act one problem, some act two. Uh, you know, complicating of the problem and then some act three resolution of the thing that wipes away why there was ever like a problem in the first place. I mean, like that's, that describes a lot of TV, a lot of television. Uh, Right. And, and, and you would, you would not be wrong to accuse TV of being a a synthetic medium in precisely that sense or bad Hegelian or a bad Hegelian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad Hegelian medium. Yeah, I, I think that that's right. And I and my uh, not to make like like to make a hierarchy or, or, or tiers of television, but my claim is that like what bottle episodes do is they they don't. This is not their relationship to conflict. It, they it is about deepening the the conflict until it becomes hardened as genuine contradiction, like of of, of existential impasse, and we have this interesting thing here is that like what happens in bottle episodes is characters become isolated and the, their isolation becomes necessary for a, uh, like, like an emancipatory collective to emerge. And that is typically not how we, we think such things should go. We, we don't, we, we typically, uh, like alienation is, uh, not, often thought of as uh, being a good thing or the thing that gets us to uh, uh, anything uh, helpful or, or, or liberatory. But I think bottle episodes in structure show that the, the, the kinds of insights you can come to and things we're going to talk about that I talk about in the essay that we're going to talk about today, that the kinds of insights that, that you come to, it's only possible through the uh, confinement that, uh, and, I would say also the the temporal stress that uh, it, the bottle episode gives in, in almost every iteration of, of appearance across uh, all kinds of uh, you know TV shows and even if it's animated, even if it's done by choice. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. That's really good. I mean, I think I think it's an interesting Hegelian image, right? That we're we're we can only be together apart, right? Like that's the that's the yeah. that's I think I and mean, I think you're saying that's what the bottle episode instructs yes. us in that's what it shows yeah yeah and we'll get to him a little bit later there if there would be one critic like one 
staunch and lucid critic of this precise uh, position, it would be Jean-Paul Sartre, who, right. uh, for one, uh, doesn't... Uh, I would say he's even more... Um, I guess the phrase would be retrograde, not not radical, but more retrograde retrograde in his reading of Hegel in that he doesn't see him as a even as a philosopher of synthesis, but sees him as a, uh, a what is it? Oh, a dialectical monism is a phrase he right, uses in right. both That's the critique of yeah. yeah critique of dialectical reason and uh, volumes one and two. Uh, so he he doesn't uh, he doesn't see Hegel as in any way uh, uh, grappling with contradiction in the way that. Uh, we do in the way that uh, I propose in this article. So um, the best way to to sort of, so we've sort of like laid all this out the, you know, wh- where, where the bottle episode phrase comes Can from. Can I say one more thing it, about what that? What it is. Yeah. Yeah. Jump yeah, in yeah, yeah Cause I, I think it's, there's one thing that's in, and I wonder what you think about this. This is more of a mm. question than a comment. I, I think it's one of the only terms that starts out as a production term and becomes a critical term, right? Like, mm. like, Say like film noir, it has the other trajectory, right? Like first it was French critics used it to talk about a certain kind of film that was made. And then all of a sudden studios were like, Hey, we can make a film noir. Right. So, (laughs) so I, I think that it seems more often that it goes the other way that, that, that Mm. a, a critical analysis of something uncovers a concept and then it gets integrated into production. I mean, just famously double indemnity was produced as a melodrama. Right. And then it's only right. after the fact that people said, oh, wait, this is a film noir. And, and, I, and I think Bottle Episode seems to me is one of the few that goes, one of the few concepts that goes in this direction from production to criticism. Although, I, I mean, maybe it, it hasn't even really fully gone into criticism because I think your essay is one of the first, I mean, there's a couple of critical articles, right? But it's one of the first ones. Uh, that is very kind of you to say. Uh, I'm... Todd can say that about me and the article. I'm not going to say that about myself. I mean, I will. I mean, I will say that like a lot of. Well, no, it's just like, a fact, isn't it? I mean, well, it's not like a, <laughs> oh, it's the greatest first one. I just. <laughs> <the first one. laughs> All right, that's a good point. Good point by you. Yeah. And, and I mean, nice, I think uh, it's very good, but I, I didn't. I did. I was just saying it is the. It is, I think it is the first one, right? I think that. Um, well, a lot of what I think what would separate if you're asking me what what's uh, in a. Um, in a shadow way, what's different about this from other engagements? I, I do think it's exactly this this point of like a lot of work and a lot of valuable work on uh, the bottle episode has gone into what it is, and uh, not not so much on what it does or looking at sort of like the existential or theoretical stakes that like I'm trying to right, get to. Right. In the, right. In I the don't art. think there's anybody that's addressed. I think most of the the theoretical debate isn't theoretical. It's just a critical. It's like an evaluative. Is this a yeah. bottle episode or is it not? Like, what's this really right, famous right. one that's pretty recent that everyone thinks the bottle episode that oh. isn't? Oh, well, see, because I, I agree. I, I think the opposite. Yeah, so your reference, Todd is referencing The Last of Us. So there's an episode called Long, Long Time that uh, caused a little bit of debate uh, on the uh, on the interwebs uh, with a lot of people saying, like, oh my God, The Last of Us did a bottle episode. And then, um, you know, a lot of TV critics. Uh, popular TV critics saying that it's not and and trying to make this distinction between uh, what a bottle episode is and and that or even that or even trying to go so far as to uh, there's a, a writer who uh, a, a scholar a popular writer who I cite in the essay Catherine Van Arendonk she writes for um, Vulture she writes wonderful things on Succession by the way too like uh, she's great on 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 that on that series and I uh, I quote her in the in in my bottle episode article I think she's great in way she thinks about the episode as form uh, which there's also precious uh, little of that in in right. academic scholarship. Right. 
mm-hmm. as well. And um, her preference is to to t- talk to kind of ditch bottle episode. I think precisely because of its uh, production. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Uh, history. And she wants to talk about departure episodes. That's what, that's kind of her phrase I for see. things. And I, and I, and like, again, like, I think like I, 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 I see her point like, like completely. I, and I think it's like very, a, a, a worthwhile discussion on that. But like, again, it's this like is versus does thing that like, I, I don't, I don't know that we'll, I don't know the, um, there, I think there is more to be gained from, uh, like looking at what it does and to be, uh, like like stretching that across uh, television history, then to try to like really drill down into uh, like like a like a, the most like like minimal uh, definition that that we that we can of this thing, and I'm, that's not exactly what she does, but she her because her point is that bottle episodes are a departure from what a show normally does, and so I I think the problem with that that immediately comes to mind is that. Um, the once more with feeling the musical episode, the great musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a show close to both of us. Or um, hush. It, yeah, oh, or okay, yeah. So, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that like that, but once more with feeling, that's a departure episode, but it's also a musical episode. But then, I, I, I like, I don't know that people would call it a bottle episode because they're not in like one location. They right. kind of go all over. The production is like much bigger. Um, but I think for for me, I, I think. I would consider it a bottle episode because the characters are confined by something. This is where, like where I think Hegel is really important is what are they confined by? And they're confined by this, uh, like dilemma that, that becomes intractable. And it is only by finding like, and it like an impossibility, like, like really an impossible way of solving the, uh, the, the issue, like a, a possibility that could not have emerged, uh, just without naturally. the limit. Right. Without the limit, without this instantiation of the limit, without this, without the confinement, that to me is what like defines and, and what is it, mobilized by the bottle episode, and so that's what goes on in Once More with Feeling, you know, and I think that's what go, what, go, what goes on in Hush, and uh, back, like to go back to the Last of Us, which I know you haven't seen, but maybe other people have, is that like the like the impossibility of having like a like a community of two or even just a couple in this post-apocalyptic world. Like the, these, the relationship between these two characters is what confines each other because one eventually becomes sick and uh, the other one, uh, the, the romantic relationship between these two men, like it defines their lives. And they, uh, I'll just put it this way, like they go out together and like because it's the confinement of that relationship that allows for the two of them to have a life in this post-apocalyptic world. Huh. And that it, it would have been impossible otherwise. And there's even like kind of a nice thing where like the Nick Offerman character, when the world was the world was a, a closeted gay man. And it's, it's like, it's only in the apocalypse that he can be out, you know? So like, in, yeah. it's only, again, it's through this isolation that you see this, like this, this flowering, I would say. And, and, and uh, that I, I think is, is always at work in, in, uh, in bottle episodes that something just arises and emerges out of them that it needs the ringer of the, of confinement and, uh, and constraint to get to that wouldn't have just emerged, uh, naturally over the course of, uh, episodes the way they, 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 they like typically go. You I like that a lot. Of, Can I kind of constraint? Yeah, go ahead. Just, just to clarify. So, so for you, mm-hmm. hush is a bottle episode because mm-hmm. the, the formal limitation of, 
of like you can't speak, right? Like that. Yes. And, and same thing with once more with feeling that you have to articulate yes. yourself in song. Okay. That's, yes. I, I like that a lot. I think that that's really good. Like the because what happens at the end of that episode is that uh, Spike and and Buffy they they well for one they kiss, but also Buffy reveals that she had died and gone to heaven, and her right. friends in bringing her back to life actually condemn her. And that, 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 like, like that's, this usually happens in, I mean, I I think this is where you also have this like overlap. A lot of the times in musical episodes uh, of shows that don't normally do musical episodes, it enables characters to say things that otherwise they couldn't. And, and so that I would say is, is more like, that's like sort of the overlapping circle on a Venn diagram with the bottle episode. I think that's what always happens in a bottle episode is the characters say things that they, they otherwise couldn't, but they needed the uh, the form, the structure, like community is so good on this. Like in cooperative calligraphy, uh, the character, car- which take community takes place in a college and the, uh, it starts with something really anodyne and uh, where a character loses their pen uh, or it was stolen or they dropped it or whatever. But it's right. uh, the character name is Annie. Uh, we, we, uh, we, what is it? We went past sorry, Annie seven pens ago. Like, and it's not about like, she says early in the episode, it's not a, it's not about a pen. It's a principle. And she doesn't feel like her place in the study group is taken very seriously. People take things from her. They take her study notes. Britta invoked the freedom of information act to get copies of her uh, notes for a class. And uh, uh, this didn't happen on the show, but this is something she says uh, in the episode itself. And so all these characters, like in, in the tensions that are between them, they come out in uh in the bottle episode because they have to it's like i describe this to students this way it's like being in a long car ride with someone it doesn't matter how good friends you are or how great a relationship you have with a romantic partner be in a car long enough you will get agitated with someone it does not matter how how long (laughs) that like like like, or how good it is you're in that car something will you know there will be this like like if you change if you're switching driving or, right. and then you stop too soon, there just, well, just something right. will come up. Like, that's just yeah. like, that's just how it works. Um, uh, what is it? In, uh, I, 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 can I just tell you go a ahead. funny thing? I broke up yeah, with ahead. my girlfriend in high school because of <laughs> a drive back. We, we were on vacation, uh, in the, at this lake in Kentucky. We, I lived in Ohio and, uh, yeah. we were driving back home and I was reading old man in the sea when she was driving. Mm-hmm. And, we were, I had like five pages left and she's like, I just can't drive anymore. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I go, I have five pages left. I, 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 I you've got to keep driving. She just pulled to the side and got out of the car. And I said, it's, it's over between us. Like you just totally, <laughs> so this is worse than your loss story. Yeah, I think way. that is a little bit worse. I appreciate you, uh, you, you helping me out there, but it's, it's like that. It's like the line in the rhyme of the ancient mariner, water, water everywhere. And all the boards did shrink. Yeah. Water, water yeah. everywhere, nor any drop to drink. But like that, yeah. that's the, that first part I find yeah. more interesting. In all yeah, the yeah. Did it's shrink, great. You know? I love like, that idea like, of the car ride. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, so that's why, that's why families that go on a long vacation end up hating each other, right? Like it's impossible <laughs> not to because. The, and this often becomes a t- like a plot in a t- TV series, right? right. Like the, the right. vacation, you know, uh, episode right. or, or, um, yeah, that, uh, not necessarily bottle episodes, but that's always the, you know, there's a great Simpsons episode where they, uh, they go to itchy and scratchy land and um, it turns, it turns into um, it's, it's pro- probably the Simpsons were, were, is the only piece of media that understood that Michael Crichton uh, just did Westworld again 
with Jurassic Park only it was a lot more popular but like no but at the time like nobody like yeah, anyway so because the episode is both Jurassic Park and it's and it's Westworld and they end up having to save the park and Marge just wanted a nice vacation and they say to her at the end of the episode like we got we did exactly what you wanted we got lots of uh, exercise outdoors. We really came together in the end, and but they had to kill a bunch of robots to save themselves <laughs> after after being abandoned. And she just hears she hears Lisa say that and says, "You're right." Now let us never speak of this again. So it's like it was. So even even in this in this way, like uh, right. you know what what happens in that episode is she gets exactly what she wants, but in this inverted form and such that it should never be spoken of again. Right. And also, it's an episodic series that is like. Usually things don't carry over. Like the Simpsons have really elastic wealth from one episode to another, one season to another, and, uh, you know, whatever. So that's a, that's a formal, a structural reason why you wouldn't bring up with that. But I think narratively speaking, yes, that it, like the, the vacation episode, the family gets upset with themselves. They find a new way to, to, uh, to relate to each other, which is what I, I think is at work in the bottle episode. This especially at work in, uh, in cooperative calligraphy, the group has to come together um, and this, the study group and community has to come together in a way that they hadn't before. And there's a third season bottle episode, even better on this point. And I want to, cause I want to name, I want to give a specific example to a kind of contradiction before we talk about some other, some other examples um, that the, uh, the very famous, there's like so many memes that come from this episode. It's called uh, remedial chaos theory. I believe this one is written by Megan Gans, who is the uh, King and queen of uh, the bottle episode. She's uh, wrote a couple for community, but also um, uh, really wonderfully for it's always sunny in Philadelphia um, and the uh, Apple uh, TV series, uh, mythic quest. And uh, so the, the setup of remedial chaos theory is that they're waiting for pizza, the characters. Um, and there's, uh, they all do this game. Todd, I don't know if you know this called nose goes. So no, no. you all do. <laughs> so you touch your nose. You're in a group of people. So someone has to do something, but it's not any one person's responsibility. Like go to the door to get the, get the pizza, go downstairs. And okay. so you touch your nose. Okay. And anyone who didn't touch their nose, the nose goes, you understand? Like that's how the, so if you didn't touch your nose, you have to go. You got to go do it. So, but they all perfectly touch their nose at the same time. So they're about to play Yahtzee and uh, Jeff says like, Hey, you know what? Starting from my left, um, you, your, your number one through six, it comes up, you go to get the pizza. And then Abed says, just so you know, Jeff, you're now creating six alternate timelines. And he says, of course I am Abed. And then this really great thing, he flips the die in the air. And then the, uh, there's this kind of graphic that comes over the screen where it's like a almost kind of like like a uh like a almost like a uh, like a like a tabletop game board with like uh timelines stemming out from the middle e- related to each number. So he throws the the die in the air and it goes through one of them and then each time they go through this episode goes through each of these different timelines and something different happens. And what's really great about this episode um and this is in um the Star Trek episode, uh, Tholian Web, as well, is that you um, you gain a, 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 a excellent understanding of group dynamics by which character leaves, not by who stays, but who right. leaves. Right. And so, the it, it's this really wonderful thing that the episode does is it makes the like my phrase for this. I mean, I didn't come up with this phrase, but like it makes an absent absence present, and and like in Tholian Web, Kirk is absent. And because Kirk is is uh is like is in interphase, the uh 
differences between uh, Spock and McCoy have to play out right. in a really like in a really uh, um, stressful and like high uh, high intensity way. So the way that the, this episode of Community ends is that. And there's all kinds of memes like the like uh, Troy Donald Glover's character leaves the room, and I, I know students ha- and and I think other people have seen this uh, this frame this from the show or, or uh, these like two shots from the show, but they haven't actually seen the show itself. He, it's one guy goes to get the pizza, and when he comes back, the room is on fire, and it, it's uh, so that's that's like that's a often a, a used as a meme. Your son actually Dashel said to me when he started watching Community, he said. Did you know that half of all memes are from this show? Like he's being, uh, like you know, obviously uh, um, hyperbolic. But I was like, right. yeah, dude, I right. was I was there when the show I was there when the show was live. I, I remember. Right. But anyway, so the so you see all these six different timelines, and then the way the episode ends is Abed in the prime timeline. He grabs the dice, so it doesn't hit the table, and he says that chaos dominates enough of our lives, and that you know that you shouldn't be putting up something like this to, to chance. We need to like stick together from the things that we know to be true. And, uh, he has this, like this unbelievable insight and, uh, which is that we have to be accepting of each other's flaws and virtues. And he kind of goes around the table and he says, it's not, he doesn't talk about every character, but he just says one thing. He says, surely we'll always be giving, uh, Pierce will never apologize. Britta is kind of a wild card from my perspective. Uh, and Jeff will always be a conniving son of a bitch. And there's a, there, there's a, I think he maybe said something about Annie that I'm forgetting about. And, uh, the, 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 his relationship with Troy is like well played out, but this, that's not the, that's not the point. What the point is is that he says one thing. He says, we need to be accepting of each other's flaws and virtues. And then says one thing about each person, because this would be the Hegelian reading here. Because your flaw is your virtue, and your virtue right. is your flaw. Right. It's it. You, you, the great. The best thing about you is the worst thing about you, and the worst thing about you is the best thing about you. And there. And it's not. You. You can't like. Uh. I think that there's a lot of like. Uh. There's a lot of like self help culture that like seeps into everyday life where it's like, oh, you have to li- live your best self, which w- would be what maximizing the best thing about you and minimizing the worst thing about you. And I think what this episode of Community and what I'm claiming and what I'm saying, like you know. Uh, Hegel would help us see is that it's the same thing. You you know you can't you can't be like a really open and warm person and then be like rigorous about what people you're warm and open to because that's not being warm and open. You know, like like Shirley in the context of the episode, uh, Shirley makes pie for like for everyone and 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 like that doesn't seem like it's an issue but she the as jeff says in one of the timelines she has a baking problem she put in as britta says in another one she pushes pies for love <laughs> like she's always like she's always right. she's a pie right. pusher you know and and it's it's the this is the thing is like she can't the group ha- it's not that she has to be different it's the group has to accept that this thing that has been articulated quite often as a flaw, that's her central virtue. And I think this is what the, uh, like the, the bottle episode uh, often mobilizes about like, like characters is that like, like, uh, I don't know, like, would you say that this is at work in, uh, Tho- in like Tholian web as well? Like, I mean, like you, you can't have, you can't have the rationality of, uh, of Spock, you know, w- w- it, it, without, 
like I mean this is often played against him as a character is his rationality and his like emotional decision making right and then right. and like and I think with McCoy it's it ends up being sort of like inverted but they can't be who they are without those two things being intention you know absolutely um, true right it's absolutely yeah. true and I think that like I, I mean, one of the great things about the Tholian Web episode, which you've you've referenced a few times, which is one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, it's an episode where they go to this deep part of space, and it, there's that space is the fabric of space is weak, and so mm-hmm. Kirk yeah. ends up disappearing, and then he's in this what's called you named it earlier, it's called interface, and so they have to try to recover him later, and they're not sure if they can recover him because he's been caught in the transporter beam, uh, coming back from this other ship that has been destroyed by this, the structure space because everyone, and actually ever on the ship, I think everyone killed each other because yes. of the, the tension created by this, uh, this kind, actually the tension created by the long car ride, right? Like, like <laughs> yes, it, yeah, it's yeah. interesting that that doesn't <laughs> like, that doesn't really come up. I mean, they're on a deep space, long car ride throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And that never comes yeah. up except when they get into this other kind of space in the Tholian web. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, What's interesting is I think you're right that the very things that are good about the things that are best about Spock are also the things that are worst to him about him and the yes. things that are best about McCoy are the, the same thing that's worst about him. And I think that's really, so this is a nice instance where a uh, contradiction gets played out. And I think you mm. could read it as no, this is the opposition between two characters. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that Tholian Webb nicely shows the distinction between those two things. So, the, mm-hmm. the the contradiction within both yes. Spock and McCoy is is the tension, and then yes. that manifests itself as uh, they they come to almost to blows. I mean, they couldn't come to blows because mm. Spock would destroy them. But they 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 <laughs> they come they come at odds with each other and they they fight with each other viciously. But yeah. it's really this internal contradiction within each of them that's being manifest, which I which I think which gets man, made manifest because of the the bottle structure, the limit structure that's there. Yeah, this, no, this is exactly right. And really, really nice. I'm glad you brought, brought us onto this point. It's, it's not the conflict between that ends up becoming like important. It's like, it's the conflict within, like you have to see this like as, as being like inescapable. Uh, and that's this, uh, this source of torsion that drives what, uh, what happens narratively and also toward, uh, some kind of impossibility. Like, uh, it, the I, I say this in, in this essay that like we, we have to understand about the dialectic for for Hegel is that it's it's pushing pushing our understanding of something to note the interdependence of things upon their own internal uh, opposition. Right. And y- what you have to see is, and I don't have this phrase. I have this in the book version of of this chapter, not in this this, but um, maybe I'll add it. I don't know. Who knows? But you have to see how opposite becomes apposite. That's the idea. That's what like. Right. That's what, very good. That's very good. I mean, it, it, it's why Hegel is the total anti Carl Schmidt, right? So Carl Schmidt is this yeah. thinker who thinks that w- one is constituted through one's enemy. That the field of the political requires a figure of the enemy, and I think Hegel mm-hmm. just uh, doesn't allow that. Like the enemy is always this internal figure for him, mm-hmm. right? First, it's an internal enemy, and it's only because there's an internal enemy that there could even possibly be an external one. So I think that's right. a really, I think that's important to see the to see the, the division or the cut as an internal one first, and mm-hmm. then all kinds of external oppositions are only, only exist on the basis of that. 
which I mm. it's, it, it really differentiates Hegel, I think, from a lot of other a lot of other thinkers who who like Schmidt, but even other thinkers that want to insist on external divisions only, right, and not yeah. internal. Well, yeah, I mean that's kind of interesting. I mean that's that ends up being Sartre's problem with it um, is yeah with, with Hegel and also his problem with as his phrase is seriality, which is relevant to to talk about here um, because what Sartre's whole thing is that there is an external order from capital that groups us superficially so that we have no uh, meaningful uh, tie to each right. other in in the social and this um, I. I he said he he says it directly that it needs to be eradicated. So not like overcome, not like not like the oh we become serialized by capital and it's because we're grouped superficially that we can move beyond it. No 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 no. He doesn't he doesn't want that or think that. He he thinks it's the thing that has to be done away with. And right. it, the the bot the the bottle episode and I think this is why Hegel draws his ire is has the complete opposite idea which is like you have to there has to be something like this is why the community is such a good example there has to be something superficial like a pen going missing or like having who's going to go get pizza that moves you move from the superficial tie to like the more existential tie you move from superficial uh tensions to like really deep um and uh, like immovable ones and it's only through this I, I claim, I think this is what bottle episodes do. It's only through the, uh, this isolation and alienation that, that, that tension can be even like articulated in any way, like, like, like spoken or dramatized or whatever. Like this is the, the suitcase, like probably, um, I think there are two, two episodes that, that often come up in like best bottle episodes, um, would be the suitcase is episode of Mad Men, uh, Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos. Um, there's a absolutely wonderful episode of um, the leftovers called uh, International Assass- Assassin. That is a, 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 a bottle episode. I would even argue there's just the, what everyone agrees is the greatest episode of lost called the constant. I would even say like, according to my, the way that I think about it, that's a bottle episode. Interesting. And what what lot- about balance of terror? Don't you think a lot of people think that's one of the best Star Trek episodes? They do, yeah. And so the thing with Balance of Terror, so this, this is, I'm glad you brought this up. The, like the thing that sometimes like like people try to get like a real like like a purity of a bottle episode. So like yeah. in the suit in the suitcase, there are multiple locations. Like like Don makes Peggy work this copy for the Samsonite. Uh, uh, I don't know campaign. I'm not sure. Uh, the, the they even go out to dinner, don't they? I mean, they, they leave go the out office. to dinner. Yeah, yeah. They, they leave. And, and so that sort of violates the, like the singular location thing, like of the Seinfeld episode, the Chinese restaurant where right. they are right. waiting for a table and it happens in like, it unfolds almost in, in live time. Or like I said, even the animated, the Brian and Stewie one uh, episode where there's, they're in a bank vault the whole time. So like they leave. And so what the, what the suitcase makes clear, it even has a really great line that, that might be the like, this is the line for like what defines a bottle episode is um, there's a there's a mouse or a rat in uh, Don's uh, office and Peggy sees it and says it's a rat. And Don says it's a mouse. I grew up on a farm, which that in almost any other show is not a th- statement that uh, worth noting. But he revealed something about himself in right. that statement, something honest and vulnerable. But as he's looking at the you know, where the mouse came in, he has this line. He says, there's, uh, there must be, 
their ways. Uh, oh God, am I going to blow this? I'll have to look it up. I want to make sure I get it right, but uh, to, to make sure. So I'll say what I'm remembering it and then I'll look it up to make sure I'm right. But okay. there are ways out of this. There are ways out of this room we don't know about. And, and that is like the, I think the thesis statement for the bottle episode, which is like, there's ways out of this intractable uh, conflict that you don't know about when it starts. And the only way to get there is through a hardening of contradiction, not avoiding it. And so like the, so the going to multiple locations, okay, that's in, I know they're on the, on the ship the whole time, but in balance of terror that starts in a wedding, there's even a part of balance of terror where Kirk takes a nap. So like the, there, the, also this idea that it's like, like constant, um, right. Like closeness, like a uh, breaking bad's fly, right. Where, where it's like, it's, it's tense or like it unfolds in real time. And like, like, yes, like temporality is often uh, a, a constraint that produces a lot of what's uh, at stake in the bottle episode, but like balance of terror, which I think is always cited as the, like, I don't know, like the, like, to, I think in some conversations I've, I've seen, it's like, like the er bottle episode is like right. balance of terror. Right. Um, but yeah, they're in multiple locations and, well, we see in the Romulan ship as well, right? Like that's yeah. the whole, yeah. Well, and so what's the impossibility? Like the impossibility that's generated here is like Kirk and this Romulan uh, captain, like uh, they develop a uh, respect and affection for each other and they never see each other because right. it's through or talk. precisely... Or, or talk. talk. It's, right. Yeah, it's precisely through the how they mitigate the, uh, the circumstance of being in... Um, uh, what what would you say? Like a, a contested space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Between the Romulans and the, uh, you know, there's, there's this great line in 30 rock Todd where, um, uh, Tracy, Tracy Morgan is, uh, talking about Romeo and Juliet Capulets and Romulans. And it's a, <laughs> I always, I always think about that. So it's a real Capulets and Romulans story. Yeah. The ba- balance yeah. of terror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's multiple locations. There's two ships. Like again, like I said, Kirk takes a nap, so that sort of like breaks some of the tension for a little bit. But he can't really sleep, so I mean, there's that. But like, but what's also interesting thing- is yeah, isn't, isn't the the internal? I mean, it just supports what you were saying earlier that the there there's an internal conflict on board the Enterprise that then yes. is reduplicated in the external conflict between the Enterprise and the Romulan ship. Right? There's this yes. racism. Uh, incident yeah. with the navigator and Spock, and then that mm. gets, and then that that so there's this internal bo- division, and then that mm. is that's then mirrored by this external one, right? Yes, no, that's a, I mean that's a great point. Yeah, like that's the like that's the and that is like that's what you that's what you get in these in these episodes is is like this again this like this uh, either like a minor thing or a superficial thing or it is this this difference between ends up like becoming the, like the difference within that, like that, that has to be, uh, this, this conflict, this deep conflict within, within that has to be, um, I, I, the word that I would pursue is not mitigated, but reconciled. Right. Like, you know, like, and it has to be like, so, you know, in the, in the suitcase, the, what the, the impossibility that emerges in that is that like Don to, uh, he, he admits to Pe- Peggy, he, he's, he has harangued her at work because he doesn't want to call, uh, a, there's a, he got a phone call from California and he knows he's going to talk to someone and they're going to tell him that, uh, a person who's very important to him has died of cancer. Yeah. And so he is doing everything he can to avoid that conversation. And 
it's like so there are divisions between him and Peggy, but it's like those those divisions between the two of them are just like kind of the rocket boosters that get to the division that's within Don. And that ends up being the like this thing. And he like, you know, he squeezes her hand at the end. Of, like, again, it's just like like that's the thing with Mad Men is that like you, you have to look at these. You, you always have to look at like what a show uh, does kind of on its own terms. Don saying that he grew up on a farm and like squeezing Peggy's hand and like making it very clear how much she means to him like that. Like that's like uh, I, I don't know, like on another show that would be like two characters being on a rooftop shouting their love for each other and like, right, and, like right, you know, and it's right. not romantic between Don and Peggy, but you, you under, you understand what I mean yeah. uh, with that. So um, the, and that, that's another thing that I think is like, so wonderful about bottle episodes is that they are, they, they do, show you what is like show specific, which is why I, I say, you know, that that episode of uh, last of us is, is, is a bottle episode because like relative to the, like the world of that show, like two people having a, like a life for themselves in a, in a town, like that's a, that's a, they have made a community. They have like impossibly made a community in this, uh, in, in this world. We wouldn't say that, like you wouldn't say that in our world. You would, you would say that, those are probably the two nimbiest people, right? Who exist. Like you're just, and you're not, you're not engaging in, in the social at all. You're, right. you're, you're, right. you're uh, just cordoning yourselves off. Like there, there, that there's no kind of sociality there uh, to speak of, but again, relative to the show, it is. And I think it's like, it's, it's the, you know, you, you have to, you, you, it's, it's what makes, it's what makes the bottle episode so, vibrant and i think so interesting is that like the shows playing within like their own constraints like shows you something that was like unique about the show unique about the characters it gives this like absolute platform uh for um like the, the again for the impossibility to burst forth and you can see this when it doesn't happen which is in breaking bad's fly when um walt is on the verge of telling jesse that he's responsible for uh, I would say killing his uh, his girlfriend because he yeah. watched her die, um, but he doesn't do it. And but like the fact that he gets that close, even is but, the like is the impossibility. Yeah, what do you want? You want to ask you a question? Is he gonna yeah. at this point? If he is he gonna say it as a confession? Because when he ends up saying it, he doesn't say it as a confession. He says it as a way to injure jesse further right yes no he says he's gonna that's a great great point by you he's going to say it as a confession yeah in in yeah. In, in, in this and and that and that confessional aspect is like is only possible like through the uh through the rigor that they're strained through i said rigor but uh that was a kind of a nice slip but ringer <laughs> i think you got to think of those two things together uh, with yeah. the bottle episode and the being stuck in the this like underground meth lab, right? They're stuck in the underground meth lab, right? Which we see being built in in Better Call Saul, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's that's right. right. That's a good point. So, like the um, so Saul has so Saul has a um, an episode that has a, like um, when uh, Mike and uh, and Saul are stuck in the desert, yeah, without water. That is um, reminiscent of. Uh, the Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos, which I mentioned. And one of the things that, if you haven't seen Pine Barrens episode uh, or the Sopranos, um, this will be lost on you, as I imagine maybe a lot of these references have been. Yeah. But what's at stake, I think, is like is very clear, is that two characters, uh, 
Paulie and Christopher went to go collect money from a Russian guy, and then Paulie was <laughs> oversensitive and beat the guy up, and it got to a situation where he had to be killed and disposed of, and they decided to do it in uh, South Jersey in the Pine Barrens. Um, only they, so they make this guy dig his own grave, but he was a, um, you know, Todd, he was an interior decorator and he killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Do you remember that? That's what I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So Paulie hears on the phone. That's it's Chechnins and he was in the interior ministry, but he, it's a bad phone connection. So he gets (laughs) the bad information. So, um, and he gets, um, and so the guy gets loose, the, uh, the, the Russian commando, ex-Russian commando. And they are stuck in the Pine Barrens trying to make sure that they killed this guy and they can't find him. They can't find him. And then they get lost. And and then they get lost. And it's this really cool thing where normally in a bottle episode, you're confined by a tight space, but they're confined by the cold uh, of the Pine Barrens and the, like just this vast, well, the open wilderness. space confines them. That's exactly. what's interesting, right? Yeah, right? it's like the film. I don't know if you've ever seen It Follows, but It Follows mobilizes that really well for a horror film. Because normally, in a horror film, like you think you're safe in a wide open space, but that's where you're most in danger. In that yeah, movie. that's true. That's true. Yeah, and and so um, yeah, so so Pine Barrens makes the open space close. But that so this is what a lot of people focus on when they talk about that as a bottle episode. But like, it's really it's really Tony who is confined by what Paul and Christopher and other people are doing throughout the entire episode. And, um, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's like he, he, he goes to in and out of spaces. He's having an affair. Like he's like, basically like he's collecting money from someone. Like he's not exactly ordering a hit on someone, but he like kind of is, he's making like, so he has like all, like you would say, like he has all this freedom and autonomy, but like, as the episode plays out, like, he is just constantly not cleaning up people's messes because he doesn't really do that, but he's just constantly like tied inextricably tied to other people. And the, that like comes to a head where he, uh, where Dr. Melfi like makes it clear that romantically he's reproducing these relationships that are um, like volatile and toxic because of his relationship with, his mother, which is really funny because what I think it's in the first episode where he says um, he went to a semester and a half of college. So he understands Freud. So I yeah. think that's like a, so I think that's that, that would kind of be like a semester and a half of uh, college of Freud yeah. ver- version yeah. of Freud. But so like, Freud, you know, yeah. we put that, we put that to one side, but the, the, the point of it though, is that like his, his, he is invested in these conflicts. Like, like, I think that's like, that's the, that would be the takeaway is that like, you right. he can say all he right. wants that he doesn't like them, but like then why do they keep happening around him? Right. You know, like why does why does he it's it's you know, like like the there is a there there is an enjoyment, an illicit enjoyment that uh he consciously would disavow, but that he gets from these situations that really like tie his hands and and make it so that he doesn't have the autonomy that he wishes he did. Right, and I so. think that the you know he's so upset with Paulie and Christopher, yes. But it's he's upset because they're revealing his own, the way he's created his own traps, right? Like I think yes. that's, I think that's what's yeah. really good about the show, right? I mean, it's yeah. interesting because I think most people that like it like it because they think Christopher and Paulie are funny together because they're mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they're constantly berating each other and they're just. And they get on each other's nerves. It's just like the car ride. You know, it's it's as if yeah, they're in a car. Yeah. They even get in a it's interesting. They even they get, get in, in the van. van. Yeah. Yeah. They get yeah. in a van in the in the woods. Um, 
but I think I think you're right. Like what's more interesting is how their dynamic forces Tony. In a way, they express the internal contradiction within Tony in their mm. opposition to each other. I think right. Nice. Like it's a, it's a think yeah. Of one way to think of it. But I, I I do love the way that the 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 open expanse is the is the confinement. I think that's really yes. good. Yeah. 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 No, it's really. I mean, and, and like you know, also just speaking of, of Christopher and Polly. I mean, this is. Uh, you know, this to 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 dip into my Italian heritage, uh, not for nothing, uh-huh. Todd, but also in that episode, um, uh, Christopher says to to Polly that uh, you're gonna you're gonna wait till you're gonna wait till I'm asleep. You're gonna strangle me in this car. And how does he die? He, how does Christopher Tony, die? How does Christopher die? Tony. Oh, Tony, Tony strangles him. Right. Yeah, yeah. He suffocates right. him in the car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so that's like yeah, a, yeah. That's uh, good. A little little bit of a little bit of a thing there that uh, um, I don't know. Uh, intentional foreshadowing, but like, well, it's, did, it's certainly, I guess certainly he did die back. that way. I was going to say he, he died. I mean, the car crash, you think he could have survived it? Yeah. I mean, like if he could have, if he could have, if he could if not t- have survived it, why does Tony uh, why close Tony his nose? Could, you, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Point. So, yeah. Um, well, I, I, but, uh, I guess my yeah. reading of it, this is wrong. I'm sure it was that we just gave away a major spoiler to Sopranos. Um, but, but mm-hmm. my, my that happens. my reading of it was that he, he, he it's just Tony's utter malice, maliceness, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. that even though he's going to die anyway, he wants to kill him. But, he wants to be the one to do it. No, it's that's pretty, probably that's wrong. Pretty, no, that's probably wrong. No, no, no. I, li- I like it. I mean, I think. I mean, uh, I think doesn't Hegel teach us Todd that it can be and is two things? Uh, maybe so, so. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. So it has yeah. to be the, the like like he. He does it to make sure, but he also, but I, I do like your little, your little rider on this. Like he does it because he can do it. Yeah. And he know? enjoys it. I think like he, yeah. he, like, like that's what we see in the other very fans. It's a kind of a bundle episode too, isn't it? College where, where oh, yeah. people, Tony people and Meadow take a trip yeah. together. It's in the first season. Yeah. And a lot of people think that's mm-hmm. the best episode of the entire series. I don't necessarily think that, but again, Tony kills a guy he doesn't need to kill. No, it doesn't need just, to kill him. Cause he just, yeah. he, I mean, need, I mean, I don't know that anybody needs to kill anyone. Uh, <laughs> that would be an interesting, uh, no, but, but, narr- but narratively, no, but this is the thing. Like I, like when, when a, I mean, I know that it, so it's Sopranos and like a lot of characters die, like, you know, often, uh, or are killed, but like, there is a thing where if a character is going to die in a show, like there has to be, I, I think the pressure has to be like, there needs to be a reason for it. And the reason has to be there's something that you had to do like narratively or character wise that required that person to, to to die as a character, like to be able to do. And I think that there's like, so there's nothing like personally for Tony that is that this existence of this guy is uh, mitigating, right? It's no no threat threat whatsoever. So what it tell, what it does tell us is about, is about Tony. So he needs to die so we can learn this thing about Tony. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting because I think it's a real contrast Sopranos and Americans because almost every death in Sopranos is like, it's just excessive, right? Like just, but in in Americans, it's clear that if they don't kill the person, they're going to be exposed as Russian spies. Right. Right. right, right. So they, they, it's like, you know, like maybe they, they don't seem to even get off on it. Right. They don't, no, they seem no. to like, it's not that they're totally reluctant, but they'd rather not kill the person. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, they think of themselves as communists, so they would, they <laughs> wouldn't rather not kill the person. But I, it, there's a great episode where they're, they're, uh, 
putting a, a recording device in a robot that's going to be in the FBI. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a woman that comes back to work and then, and, and, uh, is it Carrie? Is that her name? I think it is. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Uh, anyway, the, the, yeah. the woman American, uh, she, the, well, well, Philip, I know his name is Philip. Um, he, he's working on the, on the robot installing the microphone. She encounters this woman who's, who's come to work late at night and thus they're going to have to, cause they have to cover their tracks or their little spy right. operation won't work. And so then she makes this woman overdose on her heart medicine yeah. and, and, the, and the, and, and, and she goes, you know, at least you should know that we're doing this to make the world a better place. And then the woman says to her, that's what every evil person says to themselves. And it's a great, yeah. it's a great yeah. moment. I think that, you know, you yeah. get this, I mean, that's not an, that's not a bottle episode, but I think that that, it, you know, that's what the difference between that show and Sopranos is really interesting because there's not that self justification that all these killings are somehow necessary. Instead, mm. they're there to reveal something about the, about the killer, right? Or about usually yeah. about Tony, I think. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I mean, even in Pine Barrens, it ends with him. He has to wipe tears away from his eyes because he's he's trying to say to Melfi that he does everything. He just says, "Why does everything have to be so hard?" Yeah. Like he said, yeah. "I do everything for my family," which is the you know that's like the Walter White line. But like, um, and it's also the succession line too. It's interesting yes. how that it is the succession. It really line well. functions yeah. as yeah. a real ideological hook. I think the family it's, idea. I think what, you know, we, in, in, uh, in this podcast for this venue, probably there's too much to get into, but it does show that like, uh, family is maybe the best master signifier, master yeah. signifier being, being a term from, uh, Jacques Lacan, meaning a signifier without a signified. And because of its lack of, uh, what would you say? Con- concrete signification that it can just be, uh, it can web together almost anything. Yeah. And that's right. you know, like, right. like, you know, you can imagine, you can imagine two like really opposed sentences, like, like totally, totally legit. Like, like it wouldn't be out of place to hear for the good of the American family. We need to uh, curb access to firearms. Right. Right. Yeah. For the good of the American family, we need to expand access to firearms. Right. So right. like, like you can, you can, you can hear, you can just, yeah. So the family thing, I, I, I totally, yeah, I totally right. agree with you. Absolutely right. ideological. Right. Like, right. like even, even in the one, even in the statement that we would agree with, it's still what you see is like the, still the it's ideological still functioning, functioning of it. Yeah. 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 So I think that's pretty good about, uh, uh, yeah. About, uh, about, <laughs> about Tony, Tony Soprano and succession and, and, uh, and, and Walt, I mean like, and as I think, um, probably breaking bad was the, or at least succession hasn't ended yet and you and i are not caught up so we don't know how this gets articulated quite exactly right, so but don't send us an email saying oh i loved this last episode yeah it's great because the family thing really got blown up when this happened yeah, to Lo- yeah, like yeah. Don't, don't please don't, don't do, do this yeah. um but like walt has the line right the when he eventually meets up with skylar at the end that like he didn't do it for family he did it for me he liked yeah it. like he yeah. says i liked it i was good at it yeah. and i don't know that um I think that it's depending on how you read the end of Sopranos, it's possible that Tony dies thinking he did it for his family. So I think that's right. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. I don't so, think he has a similar moment of revelation. Yeah. But I think yeah. there, so, I think that, so I it's actually, us because that is a, cause sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but no, that's all right. that, that is the like, that is the thing with that, with that show is that like, it's meant to be, I, I don't, David Chase has said this before. Like, like he, he definitely thought, think, thought about like a Greek, uh, tragedy 
in New Jersey with a mafia family. And like, that is this, like the Sophoclean irony. Like it's not a, it's, it's not a, a a deficit in the show that Tony never has that revelation about himself because we have that revelation as the audience. In fact, I think it's a, I, I would even argue it's a kind of weakness at Breaking Bad that that Walt mm. comes to too much awareness at the end, and and even his yeah. final act is way too heroic for my taste. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. I know. Yeah, you and I, uh, we were yeah. we were simpatico on that for sure. Yeah. Um, so the uh, I think we've come to a little bit of a conclusion here. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, because Todd Todd's double parked, so he's got to uh, he's, he's got to go. The um so. The the thing the thing about the bottle episode is that uh, across all of its uh, varied iterations of appearances, what you get is this uh, this this concrete form that um, forces characters in a in a ringer to be confronted with their own internal oppositions. And what has to happen is that they have to see that the the, the oppositions are appositions that they are uh like that they are together they have to be brought through uh to understand the um the interdependence of the the internal opposition of itself and this is the way that like this is this is how everyone gets out of the bottle is it's it's not it's not they're not released by time because if it was time if time was going to release the bottle or the destination in the car ride then you don't have to come to any recognition of any kind you know, but it's because the bottling is not physical. It's, 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 it's not, uh, and it's not completely temporal, but it is existential that it puts this pressure on what we would say. I think I, like you and I would say is the impossible needs to emerge and the impossible being the, uh, like a reconciliation with contradiction. And what's that? Like, I mean, I just think there's not a better example than that community episode that, uh, you're, you know, you're, if we become accepting of our, each other's flaws and virtues, and it's just one thing, it's right. not flaws and virtues. It's, you know, like, and then there, there's, there's another thing. Oh, well, your virtue is this and your flaw is that. So work on the flaw and increase your virtue. No, 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 no. It's the same thing. That's the, like the, like the core existential uh, uh, conundrum. That's the, the contradiction that gets deepened um, in, I think all of these episodes leading to, and it's always a different kind of impossibility that emerges in the, the, you know, in, in international assassin in, uh, once more with feeling in hush, uh, in, you know, in, uh, in a long, long time in, in, uh, star Trek in pine barrens, like there's a different kind of impossibility that emerges this, this conclusion, this insight that we come to because of this bottled confinement that could not have been uh, broached or come to without having to, to see the intractability of this internal opposition. That's what we get with, uh, with the, with the bottle episode and why I think that it's like this, this most like theoretical um, form in like, like that is unique to TV. It's not, it's not imported from other, uh, you know, genres. It's not from film. It's not from the 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 stage. Uh, it is from this demand, this economic demand, and it produces uh, like you know an aesthetic, like like you know we didn't talk about this, but in um, I think it's a I think it's Tholian Webb that you know that uh, Kirk and um, McCoy and Spock go to this other ship. They get beamed onto this other ship to see what happened, and they don't ha- obviously they can't make another ship. 
So the it's just they get beamed to the set of the Enterprise, but the camera angles are different. It's actually a violation of the 180 degree rule, and it's camera and it's angles on the the ship's bridge that you don't really get on the uh, on the Enterprise, and also it's tinted blue, so there's that thing. But there's like um, that that sort of aesthetic. Uh, consideration like only came through because of the economic thing, but it's like, that's, that's the way this works that you have this, like this economic uh, pressure to develop an aesthetic uh, response uh, to, to, for, to, to the issue. And that's why I think like, it's this like really amazing thing is that like what is happening, like for the, the, the thing that is taking place for the episode to even be an episode, which is navigating this like, crunch of, uh, of, 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 uh, economic threat that grappling with, uh, with contradiction gets played out in the episodes themselves. So it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't know that people who make the episodes necessarily think about it that way, but you, I just think it's like available to, to see this, uh, this like meta reflexivity in it. And I think that's why, uh, people, um, get invested in them and, and, and why these, these episodes, um, often like overwhelm our memory of the rest of the show. This is, this is Catherine Van Arendt's point about the episode itself that I, as a form that I, that I really, really agree with. And like I quote in the, uh, in the article that like, we, when you think about a show, the, the form of the episode is uh, often looms larger than the entirety of the text itself. So we, you remember like your favorite episode uh, more than you necessarily remember like the, uh, the text as a whole, as a chunk. And the bottle episode, I think looms the largest out of all these uh, discrete units of it and um, pushes, uh, pushes an understanding of character and the world um, as it pushes its characters like with and against each other. Good ending point. (laughs) Thanks, babe. So I'll talk to you soon on our podcast. And I just want to say at the end here, uh, just a thank you to um, students at uh, three places at Clark University, uh, University of Rhode Island and Pomona College with whom I could not have uh, written this. So uh, very much uh, appreciate uh, the, every, everybody for um, helping me to be able to put this out in the world. And I hope that uh, those of us listening uh, to it on a, as a podcast on the New Review of Film and Television Studies channel, uh, maybe the first time you've heard Todd and I talk to each other, maybe be interested to check out uh, Why Theory, but you really, really don't have to. Thank you for listening to us about this. I, I, ho- I hope, uh, hope it's been illuminating uh, conversation, uh, at least in part. And uh, yeah, Todd, thanks for, uh, for having the conversation with me uh, in sure. the first place. Of course.